Welcome to the No Walls Podcast. My name's Taylor. I'm here with Preston, and I'm here with Trevor. And uh, y'all don't know this because, you know, how would you know this? But we have been, we've changed when we recorded our podcast. So we've been doing them earlier in the morning on Mondays. And while that's great for efficiency, uh, we listened back to the last few podcasts and realized we all sound like we're sleep talking. Mm -hmm. So we've just made our minds up that we're going to be a lot louder, uh, way more alive. I jumped in an ice bath this morning to make sure I was awake. So, like, we are on today. So if you are asking yourself what they take, they didn't take nothing but happiness and joy, (laughs) and they got ready. That's what this is. So today we're talking about what we're going to have a conversation on, and uh, we have – had a fun like really last two weeks so we were at the hope summit which we talked to you guys about on the podcast got to have conversations from experts in the mental health and uh the mental health field they talk about hope we got to talk to our first responders we got to hear a lot of really cool information um about hope and what people are going through with stats and stuff on it. there's a lot of takeaways from that and then we also turned around like you know what one's not enough we got mm-hmm. double dip so then we went to the Global Leadership Summit, like immediately following that. <laughs> and we did a conference. And the Global Leadership Summit is this big event that they do in Chicago. And they bring in all of the like, like a lot of really successful people in the business field, in the church field, like all over America. Like the guy who was over Intel was there speaking. And so they bring a lot of different Harvard Business School a professor was there. So they bring a lot of different kind of speakers to the event, which is a big thing for us as a team. We enjoy a lot because you get to go hear from all these people who are a lot smarter than we are giving us tools that we don't have or sharpening tools that we do have. And so I was thinking through like what to talk about. And I was like, what better thing to talk about than just our takeaways? You know what I'm saying? Y'all didn't have to pay to go something we did. So we're going to bring you <laughs> what stood out to us, you know, like the cliff notes, if you will, the hope summit and the GLS potentially. So without further ado, uh, what are some takeaways? What are some things that you enjoyed a lot about the summit? Um, you know, what, what'd you get? So for the, uh, hope summit, I, uh, I got to go to some of the run throughs for some of the, com- or for some of the, um, talks that were happening. I didn't actually get to sit in a lot of the talks cause I was uh, volunteering. I was doing some things when I was there. You were the man in the sky. I was the man in the sky. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So I got um, a couple of cool things. Chelsea Brown had a really cool talk where she talked about, like, your trauma brain. She talked about how, like, you have, like, a limbic system and you have a prefrontal cortex. Is that correct? Yep. And upstairs, she was, downstairs. She was uh, Upstairs, downstairs brain. And she was talking about how, like, um, a lot of times, like, when you're in fight or flight situations or whenever you are in fight or flight situations, you are in your limbic system. And in order to, like, fully develop your brain, you have to be out of fight-or-flight situations. That way your prefrontal cortex can actually develop properly. Mm-hmm. It talks about how, like, whenever you're in trauma, like, from age zero, you know, on, like, all the time, you don't actually don't have enough time in your prefrontal cortex because you're in your limbic system all the time. And so you actually never develop, like, a full, like, brain pretty much. And, like, she was, she was talking about uh, that and she was, like, talking about in, like, a hopeful way, like, how to um, how to go from there. Like, how, how do we... Uh, help people that have been in their limbic system for a lot of times. How we give people grace for that, you know what I mean, and things like that. And I thought that was a really, really cool conversation. I never heard that one before. Um, and then one of my favorite things about the Global Leadership Summit uh, is there was a talk from Craig Rochelle, and he was talking about trust and he's talking about how you build trust. And he said trust is made up of three ingredients as a leader. And he said it was uh, empathy, um, transparency, and consistency. And then he had everyone kind of stand up for which one that they felt like they weren't doing as well as the others. 
And what I realized was, because we actually had a conversation on the podcast not that long ago where I was talking about how, like, one of the things I felt like I needed to get better at as a leader was being transparent. Because I felt like there were some people who I thought should know me really well or at least feel like they know me really well. And whenever we talked, they were like, I don't know you at all. And I was like, oh, man, I've failed at that. Um, but that really dawned on me that, like, I think I do okay at the transparency. I think I do decent at the empathy. Um, but those are, like, I'm not very good at the consistency. Because I feel like I can point at people and be like, I've had that moment with you. Like, we should we should be tight. Because no, I can point back to this moment. Like, we've had this moment. Like, we should be, we should be good. But we haven't had that moment over and over and over again. And, like, that's the thing that I think I need to make more. Um, oh, that's so good. I need to make more, uh, like, room in my life for is, like, just making sure that, like, I have that moment with you, but it happens more than once. Right. So. so you're saying, <clears throat> just to make sure I understand what you said right. So it, it's empathy, transparency, consistency. And yep. what you're saying is, is I've been transparent. Yep. I've been empathetic. But I'm not consistently either one of them. Yeah. So it's, like, I have moments where I'm doing them. So it's not that I won't do them. It's just they haven't become rhythmatic enough so that people know that I am those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. That's convicting for me, bro. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, it hit me. I was <laughs> like, man. so good. Man, that's good. That's a cool way to break that down. I love that. Right. <clears throat> What'd you get, Trev? The, uh, you're talking about the two different sides of the brain, like the two different sections. Mm -hmm. Something that was really incredible for me was one of the, one of the sessions that I sat in. Uh, it did a side-by-side -side comparison um like uh, the the communicator talked about like the ace score mm -hmm. which is uh what is what is the acronym adverse childhood experiences exactly i can never remember that um and they did a side by side comparison of what a individual with a like over at least or at least a 6 compared to somebody that didn't have one mm -hmm. and 3 fourths of the brain activity well, I say three-fourths, half of the brain activity in comparison from one next to the other was that the one with a six or above score didn't, like, literally had ha at least 50% less activity oh, wow. than the one next to it. Like, it, like how the brain was, like, lit up. It was very, like, Avatar, future-esque kind of look about it. Yeah. But it was, like like six different colors and the one that had all the pro all the issues with it or it had like the higher trauma experience had less color to it had less activity less movement and it blew my mind because yeah. it's like you can get really really in your feels and like like ethereal when you talk about mental health and you talk about like um experiences and how it makes you feel etc it can be just like this ethereal you can't grab hold of it kind of situation and what blew my mind is the actual this is a structural proof concept of the effects of early childhood trauma yeah that like this person this person to get to the ending result has to work that much harder if the ending result is even possible in this particular scenario that they were kind of presenting to us mm -hmm. that blew my freaking mind yeah uh because it is like the have you guys ever heard of like the um like the analogy of they everybody starts on the same finish line and they're all taking the race and like you know step forward if blah 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 applies to you kind of a deal that's yeah. kind of how it was for me it's like these people are already in a deficit to move forward. That blew my mind. So that's yeah. what kind of triggered off of like what you took away from that. Cause I, I took away with more of like, wow, this is like simultaneously like so sad. Um, but also like, like it highlights a next level of grace for myself and for other people that have had like a, 
say like a higher a score yeah um that it just like it just highlighted this beautiful amount of like extra almost like i gave my permission to give myself grace or gave myself permission to give so and so grace or whatever like that and something about that was healing and informative um so i took that away from from the hope summit amongst the million other things that were just so incredible i got to sit in a bunch of things before you hop with that there's there's a i was on that thought process too so i got something from that so I have an A score of nine, right? So we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, two years, three years ago, three years ago is the first time I went to the Hope Summit. Because <clears throat> the first time I ever heard someone talk about what you're talking about. Right. Uh, and it shook me because they were like, if you have an A score of six or higher, you have like a 20 year less life expectancy. Right. So I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. I'm like, what? I'm so gonna if, die. At, at nine, <laughs> am I like a 40? Like, what? like when does that right. number stop increasing? <laughs> 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 I was like really tripping because like, the reason is, is trauma affects the brain. So it's like, because I love that you're talking about the picture of the brain. That's like you saw visually represented. Like right. you don't have the same brain, right? That you could have had mm-hmm. or should have had. Like you are a different person today because of the traumas that you went through. And for me, that is so like defeating. It's like, well, how do I have hope then? Like, am I forever broken? Because the stat makes it sound like you are, right? So twenty years less. <clears throat> I remember like talking with Chelsea <clears throat> and then Alicia did a really cool one, which is another one of the speakers on like, uh, like, like teenage relationships right. and the, like the way that it affects inside those. So I started, and then I saw something crazy. <clears throat> now I don't get to fact check this. So I may have to do this like next week's podcast. I'll come back and tell you I was so wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> but my understanding is in the same way that you're creating neural pathways with trauma, you also create new ones when you're getting healthy. Mm-hmm. And so like, like most things, the brain can also heal. So while you have, you know, permanently altered neural pathways, the fact that they were alterable, I'm not sure that's a word, also means they can be, you know, new ones can be formed as well. Right. And so I started thinking through like, what was that, what, what's that like? And so in Alicia's talk, she talked about how important it was to have healthy relationships how important it is to have good people in your life that care about you, see why it's so big deal for st- like students and teenagers, because like you're like you're forming healthy attachments, mm-hmm. you're forming healthy neural pathways, and then I was like, a moment hit me, because <clears throat> like thinking through like, like James chapter five verse sixteen says that if we confess our faults to one another and we pray for one another, we'll find healing, mm. and like to me, that scripture just it, it came so much more alive because it's the idea that like we can't control what was we can't control how we got to where we are those things are done like that's in the past however it's not a promise of the future it, yeah. it's it's the idea that with the right connections doing the work taking the scary next steps ultimately i can find healing in that when i have safe healthy people around me Whatever did happen internally from a trauma standpoint, it can also be healed. Yeah. Right. And for me, that was really freeing. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. So that 20 years is a stat because most people with that much trauma give up. They yeah. tap out. They stop taking steps. But, like, we ain't going to be those people. Right. We're going to keep taking steps. Right. We didn't tap out. We haven't given up. And so that 20-year stat's not going to apply to me. Right. So, anyways, your thought had me on a whole train of thought yeah. there. Yeah. What's, uh, what's cool about that is, so, like, like what I've seen that's cool about the Hope Summit was that I've seen people with like high A scores come away from it with hope. Like, but I've also seen like, like I don't have a very high A score, 
And it's like one of the things that I got from Chelsea's talk, when she's talking about like the limbic system and like the prefrontal cortex and stuff, was um, something that was really convicting for me was that since I don't have the high A score, if I'm in those situations where like my brain is trying to be in the limbic system in the fight or flight mode where everyone's feelings are high and everyone's getting angry at each other and stuff like that, then I have a better chance of getting out of my limbic system and therefore I have the responsibility to do that. Oh, and she that's like good. she I mean she hit that really well when she talked about it and like I remember like walking away with that so it was like it was cool to see that like people just on like different sides of that spectrum are walking away with different takes and it was like hopeful to both I think so that's so good yeah, I love that what segue segueing off of what you're saying is kind of like contextually it's it's kind of what I took away um from the summit and the glo- and the global leadership too um you did um you spoke at a session with um somebody that we attend church with but that is also a local police officer named James Poffel. I I'm we'll give him a shout out. I didn't ask permission. Oh, shout well. out to James. Yeah. <laughs> uh but but anyway, it was I th- I walked into it assuming I knew kind of how it would go cuz I've actually heard you guys kind of ping pong back and forth over that topic before and you guys were talking about um, it was cops and people who hate them, essentially. Great right? title, right? And so it, it, it was it was quite intriguing. Um, at, it, it was a pretty full room of people that kind of just, I think a lot of people showed up to watch the, the chaos unfold <laughs> at hand. Um, and what was really interesting to me, being friends with both of you and being very close um, in relationship with you, Taylor, is that I watched you unravel all your thoughts and experiences um, that you can, you know, that you can experience or that you can share in this short amount of time because we're not there for, you know, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But I was able to watch you unravel and explain all these different experiences and how you reacted externally, what was going on in your mind, how, what you took away internally, et cetera. And the whole time, obviously, that's an extremely emotional situation for somebody that's had very, very poor examples of engagement with law enforcement it's like it's you know it's very emotional and I saw I saw all kinds of spectrums of your emotions in that situation from anger to sadness to like almost grief in a way um and what was really incredible for me is that you're sitting next to a police officer and throughout the talk he was the dude that was patting your leg or patting your back or that you like took a second and you needed to have a moment and you looked at him kind of as a comfort in this big room full of people. Mm. And I was like, that's interesting. So my walk away was like when the, the, the area of your life that was so uncomfortable, like God redeemed it to be like a safe place. Mm. So I was like, that's interesting. And then from the, from the global leadership conference, and I could talk all day about that thing. But um, but but segueing into the Global Leadership Conference, there was a woman uh, that is her name was Liz Bohannon, and um, uh, she had very like an L Woods legally blonde kind of vibe at the beginning of the conversation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my wife, <laughs> but, uh, and and she had like this really like um, commanding presence on the stage and i'm like okay cool and then she even confirmed in the talk she's like i'm an enneagram eight and da 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 i'm like of course you freaking are uh but what was so crazy in that is that she was she was really driving home community she was really driving home like 
all of these intense, crazy times in her life that she had to lean into her people. And she uh, had experienced a troublesome um, pregnancy where it was like there was lots and lots of issues. And she was able to call somebody from across the friends and family across the world um, in the middle of the night. She was able to call and and like, I need help and and I need, you know, somebody to talk to right now. And it's 3 a.m. And you, in the U.S. and it's like noon over there kind of a deal. And what was crazy is that um, she was campaigning for this, like, almost like a tight, tight, tight knit community, not just like conceptually, but like, like practically, like she said, me and some people bought a lot, bought a couple lots next to each other and put their home, all of their homes are like eight foot apart from one another. Mm -hmm. They're like freaking shoeboxed in to these houses. And their kids are all in each other's houses. Their backyards all run into one another and stuff. And it, it, it also kind of, like, sparked a similar thought process of, like, this is out of the norm, something I didn't think would be my safe spot. And then it's, like, now it is, and she doesn't know life without it kind of a deal. And so um, I'm I'm working in a program in my personal life right now where we're working through different things, and one of them is safety. And it blew, it blows my mind consistently about how, um, I would say, I don't know how new all of the like proposing of like, how does one work towards safety? Well, like community, consistency, transparency, all these different things kind of take a hold, but it's blowing my mind how new they all feel like, like, oh crap, this is literally new data. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm learning again it's refreshing kind of thing like like a lot of this feels like brand new data it's like i would have never i would have never saw the the person that had the bad um experience with law enforcement look to the law enforcement as like a almost like a safety a safety something to hold on to i didn't really think of the super independent personality type being the person that's super dependent on close proximity relationships and community even even so much so in their like to their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so walking away with both of those was really, really empowering of like, I don't know, something about something about giving yourself grace to learn in the process. It's okay to, it's okay to need um, and, and to like your, your weakness, God uses your weakness and shifts, um, you know, for good. Like the, the fact that they, in those two scenarios I mentioned, like they, um, weren't able to do the things by themselves. They needed a community is a beautiful thing. It's yeah. not something to be deterred. Uh, and so anyway, those are, I could keep going on and on, but those, uh, that was a huge walk away um, yeah. that I've been chewing on. Um, yeah. 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 There's a, there's a few things inside the summit for me that like, <clears throat> like I'm, I'm probably gonna be chewing on them for a while. Like, so when I listen to communicators, um, I take really good notes. So you would have thought I'd been better at school, but I smack notes, bro. My notes are good. <laughs> but the way I, the way I remember things, is really in like tweets. Because probably just being a millennial, and like you know, Twitter being invented like when I was you know a hashtag teenager. hashtag forget TikTok. I want the bird, <laughs> which is now an X, which is like deeply depressing for me. But anyways, so I I I, <clears throat> I take really good notes. And come back and listen to the whole talk, but most of the talk for me is uh, like like quotes or tweets, if you will. Yeah. <clears throat> and so one of the ones that stood out to me a lot was there's a guy named Earl McManus, <clears throat> and his talk. 
he said that the the facts always enforce the past, mm. which was it was a crazy thought to me because I was thinking through like I'm I'm a I'm a data guy. I like data. I'm not naturally a data guy. I've become a data guy because my natural instinct would be let's just do whatever's right in the moment. Mm. And I I felt that burn me like a lot. <clears throat> and so like facts and stats and data and numbers and year over year projections all really helpful because they kind of inform the future. But I think the takeaway for me was like it's emphasis on inform. Mm -hmm. So because if we're not careful, we will deem that the past controls the future Mm. or speaks to the future. Like the future is inevitable. Hashtag Thanos. Um, When in fact, that's really just data and any numbers can do any number of things, but just because something hasn't happened, doesn't mean it can never happen. Yep. Mm. And that's really the thought that I've been stuck on is this whole idea that like, well, you know, 26 years of life, no one's ever been safe. Right. Doesn't mean no one ever will be. Right. Yeah. Just means you're a really sucky start to this thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Like 26 years of life, cops are terrible people. <sighs> or maybe just those ones were. Yeah. Or maybe just you didn't have all the data. Maybe the data you have isn't actually as encompassing as you think it might be. So I'm making decisions on the future based off of my perception of data that is when there may be whole numbers that I don't have on the table yet. Sure. So the whole idea that like the past always enforces or the facts always enforce the past was like really kind of challenging for me because <clears throat> I've been thinking about switching some things up and kind of our structure of our student ministry and things like that. Uh, <clears throat> and my initial response to it was like, well, yeah, it's worked really great up to now, though. Yeah, doesn't mean it always will though. Yep. <clears throat> Just because it's worked before doesn't mean it'll work ten years from now. Doesn't mean we stop trying new things. Doesn't mean we stop experimenting. So just the idea that the facts always enforce the past for me, really, really interesting thought that I'm gonna be chewing on. Because then another one that was interesting because they brought in the CEO of Intel, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which which is like what you know? yeah. <laughs> but when you see this guy on stage, he's exactly what you think he, he would be. Come <laughs> <laughs> in, looks like. Some weird combination of like Stewie from Family Guy <laughs> and uh, Dexter's Laboratory. Like, just yeah, there's a lot happening that's there. Good. <laughs> and the voice you would picture <clears throat> for the guy that is the CEO of Intel, you absolutely are picturing it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coman was a caricature. <clears throat> but then he starts speaking, bro, and just killed it. Yeah. <clears throat> like, obviously, you didn't become the CEO of Intel not knowing a few things, but like, he really like he let his demeanor. And, like, the way he looks makes mm. some guards drop for you. Yeah. So he could come in and blow your mind. He right. did. But he's talking about how, like, he really challenges everybody to have a map for their life. <clears throat> We'd all have a map. And then he broke it down into a, what is that? What's it called when an you do? Acronym. An acronym. Yeah. So each letter had a meaning. So map, M-A-P. <clears throat> he said that every person should have mentors. They should have audacious goals. And they should pursue passion and purpose. And if you'll do those three things... You're going to get to the end of the story and like the ending. And I was like really interested by that because for me, um, I'm at the Hope Summit and my life looks a lot different than many of the people that like I was born than the family that I was raised in, right? Like the people I share like actual blood with. And so I was thinking through like, it's crazy that I'm here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to have conversations in front of cops and come on stage I'm seeing and somebody trusted me to lead a student ministry and there's just like these moments of gratitude that hit for me 
I'm like, it's crazy that I'm here, like, because I'm looking and listening to numbers at the Hope Summit that are absolutely communicating to me, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. Like, I'm a glitch in the matrix. Like, I, I, somehow this happened. Like, how the heck did we get here? Who let this man in the room? Like, by all intents and purposes, by every stat and data you could look up, I'm not supposed to be who I am or where I am. And so I started thinking through what's different. I was like, dude, I think I got the map. Yeah. I think that's the difference for me. I don't think it has anything to do with skill. I don't think it has to do anything with intellect. Uh, there's a lot that has to do with God's sheer grace along the way because mm-hmm. I didn't do it right almost at all. Um, but what I did, like when life clicked, when I started moving the direction I wanted to be, what, the way I got here is obviously God's intervention, but the way he used that is I think I had a map. I had a mm-hmm. mentor. I had two people in my life that spoke life into me on a near constant basis and in the weakest moments were shoulders I could lean on <clears throat> that picked me up carried me when they had to. I mean, there were moments where they legit just decided I wasn't going to go back for me. Like they <laughs> yeah. took the, took that option from me and pushed me into the version of myself that I always hoped that could be. Uh, and so they got me there. And then the idea of audacious goals, like call it just, well, I watched too many superhero movies as a kid or read too many comics. I just always believed that like I could get there you know may- maybe it's just like the idea of like when you're raised in poverty everybody thinks they can win the lottery which is why mm-hmm. they spend all the money and maybe that just seeped into my bones I don't know how I got there I just know that I I was going to dream to change the world and whether that was me trying to like like it's funny how God will use like coping mechanisms to be the things that can ultimately like be your superpower or set you free I think half of my life was trying to get people to see me it's yeah. like, hey, look at me, look at me, see me. And so I was like a performing monkey or like the class clown, right? Like I was always trying to get the attention. So like I was always the guy coming with this crazy dream that was going to happen. I think half the time it was just an insecurity to try to like, I'm not me that you see me, that you're telling me I am. But it became rhythmic. And so even now, like I've, I know a few people that dream bigger than me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's become a superpower. And the third one was pursue passion and purpose. And to my detriment, I have done that. <laughs> like there are times where I probably needed to like be more realistic on like what today needed so that I could actually get to the purpose I wanted. But I just made no concessions and still make no concessions. I will be and do what God put me on earth to do. Yeah. Uh, and come hell or high water, it's happening. Yeah. And so come whatever the sacrifice, whatever the cost, like, I'm going to get to the finish line and know that I brought everything I had to the table to live the life I felt and believed God had called me to do. And along the way, I probably should have developed some better self-preservation. But if there's one thing I've never not done, it is pursue passion and mm-hmm. purpose. And so when he's hitting this idea of having a map for your life, I never had an acronym for that, right? Yeah. So it was like a cool way to put that into perspective. But I started thinking through, the only thing that's different about me and a lot of the people that came where I came from is I think I wound up by accident finding the map. Yeah. Found the mentors that saw me, believed in me, called purpose out of me. I had the audacious goal that I could really could make the world better, that I could be a healthy human even though I hadn't seen any, that I could be a, ga- a good dad even though I didn't have one. Uh, like all of those things. And then I pursued it. Like mm-hmm. however scary the next step, whatever the cost was, I didn't back down. I leaned in mm-hmm. and I kept moving forward and I quit making excuses. I owned what I could own. I let go of what I could let go. And then I kept moving. And even the stuff that I'm learning still to try to get better and healthy on and let go of, like, I'm not stopping. So it doesn't mean everything's fixed. Doesn't mean there's not still a ton of things I got to work through. I mean, I'm in therapy, so it tells you something. 
uh, but I won't stop going yeah. because I'm going to get there, right? So I have the mentors, the audacious goals, and I'm going to pursue passion, whatever the cost. Yeah. So good. that whole idea from the Intel guy really, really, really stood out for me. It's really good. I had uh, I had one more one more takeaway from Let's go, dog. GOS. I can um, do this all day. There's a dude named Ryan Leak, and he is a motivational speaker, oh, okay. and he creates documentaries. And he got really famous, or he got initially famous, went viral because he um, got engaged to his wife and married her in the same day. And so he planned this, like, secret wedding, and then he, like, documented the whole thing. There's a documentary on YouTube about it. But there is another documentary that he made called Chasing Failure. And so what he decided he was going to do was he was going to try out for an NBA team, even though he hasn't, he hasn't played basketball since college. He played, like, D3 in college, and he knew that he was probably going to fail. And so he uh, sends emails to all these NBA teams, and then he realizes pretty quickly that he doesn't think he's going to get one back. So he's like, I'll just make a documentary on getting rejected by all the NBA teams from email or whatever. And eventually the Phoenix Suns get back with him. And they're like, you know what? Why don't you just come and try it out? Like, just come see what you can do. And uh, he goes out there. There's a, like I said, go check out the documentary. It's called Chasing Failure. There's a whole lot that kind of happens in between. But eventually he's there, and he realizes that he, like, he's not even close. Like he's, he's, uh, shooting shots and he, he does this drill where he hits like, I think like 13 out of 20 shots and he thinks he's doing really good. And the coach just comes up and like, Hey man, my guards are hitting 18 out of 20, 20 out of 20 most of the time. And it's like, there's time after time where he realizes like he's in the middle of failure. There's no way that he's going to, you know, he's going to make the team. And so then, uh, lastly, they're doing this drill where you put three minutes on the clock and you run from baseline to baseline as many times as you can. And the idea is that like the best guards get like 30 in three minutes. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And uh, he goes in kind of overconfident. And he said, he's like, he's like a minute and a half in, he's at 14. He thinks he's doing good. And then he says, he just gets gassed. And he is just, he said, he's literally like walking at this point. And all the guys, he can hear him kind of making fun of him. Like, bro, you really thought you were going to be able to like be us. Like we've been training our whole lives for this. You can't just come in here and be us. And he said, all of a sudden, the uh, the coach is like, like, let's go, Ryan. Let's go, Ryan. Let's. And then the whole thing, like, every, all the Phoenix Suns are cheering for Ryan. And he said, in that moment, he realized he was failing. Um, but he, he's walking back and forth, and, or he's running back and forth, and he looks down, and he sees the Phoenix Suns logo. And he realizes that he's at the Phoenix Suns practice gym, having the Phoenix Suns cheer for him, while the Phoenix Suns coach is literally coaching him. And in that moment, he realized that chasing failure got him further than chasing success ever did. So that whole so thing, good. like that, that's been on my, my mind since he said that. I was like, I'm going cha- to chase failure. That's, that's what I'm doing. <clears throat> now, I love that so much <clears throat> because like I was thinking through, <clears throat> it's, it's funny to me how you can find threats. And I'm not entirely sure that like, <clears throat> no matter the conference, if you look hard enough, you can't thread. Because I think every person, when they come to a talk, gets the thing they need if they're trying to find it right and so if you're looking to get something out of a thing you'll find a thread that exists but for me that really is like the thread of that conference is like the idea like the past only informs the future doesn't control it uh like we're not gonna like give up on failure like they brought a guy in like the the dude who runs netflix had an interview talked about how like we really want to be on the edge of chaos like we realized like when we systematized everything then like we just had dummies working for us because they have yeah. to critically think. So you always want to have a certain amount of chaos 
because it forces you to have to be malleable and bend and shift and, and change and grow with what's happening in the environment around you. <clears throat> and so I was like thinking through like your whole talk on that. It's like, if we chase to fail, like we're going to move because yeah. like, then we know it's inevitable. Like if we, if we build our life to understand you're going to like miss a lot of shots. So just keep taking them. It's like, let, let's say like, let's say life, let's say in life, I'm going to miss 50 shots. Yeah. Well, if I shoot every shot, yeah. I'm going to get that 50 quicker. Yeah. Which means I start getting on the, the benefit on the other side of that. I think that's the thing that like his talk had me thinking through is like, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, like shoot half court shots for my whole life right. where I know they're not going in, <laughs> but I want to shoot a bunch of them. Yeah. So that like the, the, the more bad shots I shoot, the percentages come in my favor now. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I want to be doing is I want to be trying all the new things, shoot all the shots I can shoot, make the move I know to make. And if I make enough of them, eventually one's going to hit. And I like the idea of that. Yep. So, <laughs> well, I think uh, that feels like a good spot. Any last thoughts, takeaways before we close this thing out? No, I don't think so, man. <laughs> Rock and roll. All right. Good Do me stuff. a favor for those of you listening. Uh, like this thing. Subscribe to it. Share it. Um, do all the things. Um, we like talking, but we like connecting more. Yep. And so we would love for you to connect and share. Uh, put this thing in all the places you can. Give us comments. You know what I'm saying? You can always message us. Uh, but we are thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you listen. We love you like crazy. Have a beautiful week. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Love you. Love you.